Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to a Geek Network special interview. As always, I am your host, Keith, and I am joined by my co-host tonight, and I'll introduce him in just a moment. But first, I want to welcome our special guest, author of Money Shot, Tim Seeley. Thank you for having me. Uh, we're really excited. Um, we're definitely going to be talking about Money Shot in a bit. Uh, it's one of our favorite new comics. Every new issue, we, we gush about it on our uh, show that we <laughs> go over our reads. So <laughs> we'll talk about that in just a bit. Uh, but first, we always like to get to know our guests. And at Geek Network, um, we have a series of shows based on all forms of media that we consume. We find that the best way to get to know each other is simply to talk about what we like. So in the spirit of our first show called Binge Watching, I want to know what have you been watching? Um, we just, I mean, binge watching is definitely the name of the game around here lately. Uh, <laughs> my wife and I have been, we have a, a six month old baby. So we've been in like us locking down was kind of like, you know, and staying at home was like, no, nah, this is kind of what we were doing anyway. Uh, <laughs> so we watched what we do in the shadows, the TV show. Yes. Yesterday. So good. Yeah. It's pretty great. And, uh, we've been doing lots of movies. Um, I'm trying to think what else you watch. Um, uh, man, something on Netflix we watched. Blew through so much stuff lately. I've been trying to rewatch my comfort food, which is the the Office. So I've been putting that on whenever in between uh, uh, other stuff. And then um, uh, did a little bit of uh, World War II documentaries. I was watching a couple of uh, for research, but also just um, my grandfather who just passed away um, in uh, January. I was kind of doing some research about some stuff he had told me. And so I just kind of catch up on that. So that's kind of what we've been watching mostly. Oh, nice. Okay. Yeah. I really like what we do in the shadows. Have you, uh, did you see the movie prior to that? Yeah. Yeah. And I, so I was delighted when the original cast showed up and. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Weird guest stars. Um, but yeah, I always like what those guys do. Uh, I was definitely in for a uh, flight of the Concord back in the day. So I've always uh, enjoyed their particular brand of weird humor, but, um, yeah, but yeah it's, it's, what we do is great. And also stars, a guy I went to college with, uh, Mark Prosh was one of my neighbors. Um, and I worked with him on a sort of onion like newspaper called the daily chimp. So he's the energy vampire. Oh uh, God. Yes. <laughs> yeah. I used to, I used to hang out with that guy. So really That's awesome. <laughs> That's so cool, dude. Like, uh, yeah, that show is a trip. <laughs> so, uh, well, uh, Eau Claire, Wisconsin was it that that was it's just this one weird year I went to Eau Claire, Wisconsin. Mark uh, was there, and then also um, Nick, uh, who started the Found Footage Film Festival, uh, and he worked with um, us on the Daily Chimp as well. So, um, some funny dudes came out of that little school that year. <laughs> That's pretty great, dude. Like, and then I'm 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 not from Wisconsin. I'm assuming that's a pretty small town. Uh, it's like yeah. I mean, it's I think without school in session, it's like ten thousand, and with school in session, it's like thirty. Yep. So that kind of size, probably. Gotcha. And I I was thinking that because I'm thinking about revival and the setting. So <laughs> that's what I was thinking. Um, yeah, it's very close to Wausau. So Wausau is nice. a town where I grew up, and then I went to college at Eau Claire. Gotcha. Okay. Well, for the next question, I do want to kick it over to my co-host and introduce him uh, today. And joining me, as always, my stalwart sidekick, Josue. Hi, everybody. It's me, it's Josue. And Tim, thank you so much for being here. Um, so before we get to the uh, Respawn Ready question, uh, might I add, if you're doing The Office right now, me and my girlfriend are doing a rewatch as well with uh, as we listen to the Office Ladies podcast. I, I, I love recommending this new podcast. It has a uh, jenna fisher pam and angela kinsey angela just going over each week over every episode and it's actually really oh, cool wow. getting an insight yeah, um, that yeah and it's really cool although my girlfriend really hates me because she wants to keep going watching them but I'm, i stop her like no we got to go with them in every every week <laughs> uh so that's been fun but over we have over on a, another show we have uh it's a video game central centric called respawn ready so we want to know if you've been playing anything i never play video games <laughs> I'll be honest with you, uh, video games are the death of productivity if you work in comics. <laughs> that has been true going back to like the early days of Image, you know, when they would show like all the extreme studio guys. This is like 1993 or whatever, but they'd show mm -hmm. all those guys, all the 
homage studio guys playing video games, and then those comics would never come out. So, oh, they were notorious for deadlines. <laughs> yeah, so like, I took that lesson when I was like 16, and um, I bought a PlayStation 4, and I played it once. Um, so I'm just, I, you know, I just don't like. I liked, I like going to arcades, you know, and like playing some games, but yeah. Um, yeah, I just don't. I don't play video games. I own Spider-Man. Uh, I played it that one time. So <laughs> nice. I'm not a video game guy. Like I tried. I've tried a million times to, <laughs> to care. I just don't and i'm not good at it so like when someone gives me the controller I'm like yeah so you just do this I'm like what why would you do, why would you do all this time like you could just go do something you know that like is more intuitive and i just so none of it's intuitive for me and yeah so i apologize no no you're perfectly fine it actually perfectly reflects whenever it hops over onto my time on respawn ready i barely have some stuff to talk about because i don't play as much either i mean they definitely do amazing work and some of the designs and stuff that I've seen for some of the stuff is pretty cool. And um, so I respect the art. I actually teach mm-hmm. uh, some classes in a um, interactive arts department. So half of it is video games. So I know all the work that goes into it, but I just, <laughs> when I actually sit down to like, I could write one, I'm sure. But if I, you know, the dialogue and stuff, but if I, when I play that, sit down, play it, like the controller thing, just, I do not understand. Like what you have to do the right finger and the things like, I just, I can't do it. <laughs> Oh, oh my god, maybe you could write a video game. Like Remender wrote Dead Space, you could give us like a money shot video game. That'd be amazing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I would I'm all in. See, I'm <laughs> There we go. Um so um I'll jump into my a follow-up question over onto a, another show we have is the Infinite Playlist. Um so we want to know if you've been listening to anything on your da- downtime. Yeah, I mean I'm always listening to music. Um Today I downloaded Nine Chanels, put out two records for free. Yes, I yes. saw that. Um, it's crazy. I listened to them today. They're really interesting. Like not, um, it's definitely not the sort of grooving uh, industrial trend. It's more like dissonant soundtrack trend. Nice. Um, so is it, is it like one one the first time the one through four goes where it's more mostly instrumental? Yeah. yeah. Oh, cool. Hell yeah, I'm gonna love it. So <clears throat> that's pretty. Uh, that was pretty solid. And, uh, otherwise I just, uh, I listen to a lot of, well, when I write, I listen to a lot of either like, um, like study beats, basically they're called, it's, it's like hip hop, but it's mm-hmm. really slowed down and, um, I got it from my students. And then, um, I listen to a ton of, um, like retro wave stuff. So like, uh, Carpenter Brute and, um, and Perturbator and Gunship is my, is my, uh, my new jam lately. So it's like, it's, it's kind of industrial by way of. 80s John Carpenter movie soundtracks kind of thing. And I can do it while I write. So that's a big advantage because I can't, uh, I have real trouble with lyrics when I'm writing. So I kind of have to just groove along to some, some lyricless tunes. I got you. I'm a notorious multitasker, but music with lyrics will kill productivity for me, no matter what. Like, <laughs> so I just, I, cause I focus on the lyrics and I can't focus on anything else. So I totally get that. Down is my problem. So like yeah. if I'm typing a story and then I hear the like a podcast or something or words with you know I, I just start typing the letters I did today I was listening to <laughs> the uh, uh, Dax Shepard podcast with Sanjay Gupta and I was I was just like I wanted to listen to it and I listen to it I'm like God damn it I just typed down what Sanjay Gupta said it's just like <laughs> yeah you know, so nice well the last uh, our last show is called we have issues and i host it every week and this is kind of the the core of what we're going to be talking about anyway so it's a good one to end on what have you been reading um mostly uh novels and uh european comics lately um and mm-hmm. indie stuff that i was looking at for school um i'm reading a book called uh chicago by david mamet and then mm-hmm. uh i'm reading the conan books from glenat the French Conan comics. Um, they're awesome. They're more cartoony and they, I like them much better than the, the current Marvel ones. And uh, let's see what else am I checking out? Um, <clears throat> oh, like uh, some of my old stuff that I, I really liked when it came out, but kind of have been studying it for, um, for my classes. Uh, some Daniel Close stuff like uh, Velvet Globe, mm-hmm. Cast and Iron. And um, what else did I reread? I've been rereading and uh, Love and Rockets. Oh, nice. Yeah, I I really like Daniel Close, actually. Um, Ghost World was so good, and uh, I I actually really like the movie adaptation for it, too. Yeah, they're both great, yeah. Yeah, but uh, he's really good. He's he's obviously not like 
like a huge name right now, but anyone listening, if you've never read his stuff, go back and read it. It's great. So yeah, I don't know why he hasn't uh, been releasing as many comics of, of late. I mean, I, you know, uh, some of his other stuff, like David Boring and all that kind of stuff that came out. I guess even now that's like 15 years ago, but um, mm-hmm. still good stuff. I just, um, I, Velvet Glove is like the greatest thing he did. It's just so weird and, and like perfectly, uh, you know, tone, like totally perfect. And the art is great. And there's such just disturbing things in it. It's very like, it's basically a David Lynch um, comic book is kind of what it is, but, but the storytelling is great. And the art is really good. That's awesome. I've never read that one. I'm going to have to check it out actually. It's very strange. It was the way it was done was <clears throat> he would take naps during the day. And then when he would wake up, he would, you know, he'd be kind of confused. He'd have somebody like wake him up, you know, and then <laughs> he would write down the ideas. Um, Cause you know how like, if you kind of take a map nap during the day, you kind of messed up. So he yeah. would write down everything he thought, and then he would translate that into a comic script. So like, it doesn't have like, like this logic. It's basically a guy sees this tattoo, <clears throat> uh, weird tattoo in a movie and he becomes obsessed with it. So he's trying to find, um, these old movies and it's really weird it's just twisted ass story nice yeah definitely i'm gonna have to check that one out um so of course we do want to go ahead and talk about uh your work because uh you have quite a bit of things that uh, i really want to get into so i don't want to waste too much time doing that the first thing i want to talk about is a book that um uh really was awesome and preparing for this interview i went back and reread it uh, reread the first volume that is, uh, which is Revival. And it's strange reading it now with everything going on in the world about a small town that's in quarantine and everybody getting cabin fever. Yeah. <laughs> like, Whoa. Um, I should have read about something else. I feel like that happens all the time. It's like I write something and it comes true. I should have just written about how I just got eternal orgasms or something and just check the fuck out because... Yeah, it seems like do something, and then then it becomes real. So that's my fault, I, I think. <laughs> so this one, as we kind of talked about, set in a small town in Wisconsin, uh, and so the basic premise of it is the dead come back to life, but not in the cliche "I'm a zombie" kind of way, but literally they come back as they were, kind of. Yeah. And I, I, I was kind of wondering about the like the genesis of that spin on the idea. Like, wh- where did you come up with that? The original take, I had, I had misheard someone say once that uh, there was like a, a zombie story. It was basically just that, that uh, the zombies came back and went to work. And I, I was like, that's that's amazing idea. Like that you were so sort of, you know, just stuck in your life and your rhythm and, and the first thing you did, you just kind of like went back to life. And, and then, so I was also kind of, I wanted to do a crime story set in my hometown, Wisconsin, because I, I moved to Chicago when I was in my early twenties and I have lived in major cities since I was 19, but I grew up in a small town and I know what people in small towns think of big cities. And um, there's this sort of attitude that like crime doesn't happen here. And that, you know, that that's sort of, that sort of, uh, sickness is something that belongs to, to urban areas, but that's not true at all. And uh, I, I had lived in Chicago for, um, you know, I think 10 years by the time I started revival and I'd never known anybody to be murdered. But when I was growing up in my small town, I knew several people who were murdered. So, um, so I wanted to do a story kind of about that small town attitude about, you know, kind of thinking that they're superior in a lot of ways, but always having these sort of dark secrets and, and, um, and so I combined those two ideas into one comic with uh, some help from uh, my co-creator, Mike Norton, and uh, got Jenny Frizen involved in the covers and uh, Mark Englert on, color, on, on colors. And we ended up making something, I think, <clears throat> pretty personal that I think, you know, we, we had a plan to tell this story. And, to, uh, and part of it was sort of based on Mike had watched Lost um, and mm-hmm. said, you know, they clearly had no plan for what the ending of this was. They knew there was a mystery. They didn't know what the ending was. So we said, well, what if we have the ending already? You know? Um, yeah. So we, we decided what the ending would be <clears throat> and we're able to work our way towards it, which is why I think the story holds together because, you know, we have mystery box, but we actually know what's in it, what's in it, you know, <laughs> uh, just like, you know, using that to bring you back. Like there was actually a, a point, you know, yeah, and you can tell 
reading it that you guys knew where it was going. Like once I got to the end and the big, you know, the big uh, mystery is revealed. I was like, yeah, this has been, you know, hinted at the entire way. So yeah. I dug that. Um, and I, I hate to say this because I, I threw it out in our last interview, but actually more, more appropriate, even in this situation, it really gave me Fargo vibes, like a supernatural Fargo. Yeah. Like, I, you know, I loved, um, I'd seen Fargo, I think when I was 17 or something, and it blew my mind. Um, mm-hmm. I definitely always had that image in my head because my town is so much like, um, you know, those towns in Minnesota and, and not mm-hmm. Minneapolis or St. Paul, but the ones that he goes through, you know, that they go through and the one where the, um, our lead characters from is so mm-hmm. much like where I grew up. So definitely it was, you know, part of the thing. We didn't know when we started revival that there was going to be a Fargo TV show. And I think one of our thinking was like, what if it's Fargo, but it's ongoing, you know, like, um, <laughs> so they kind of, they did this, you know, similar, but different, I think, but <clears throat> yeah, Midwestern noir, um, you know, rural areas. And I think, I, you know, there was a sense, I think at the time when we started it, and this is, you know, 11, well, I don't know how many years ago now, uh, six, seven, eight, maybe somewhere there. But mm-hmm. there was a sense that we felt like there wasn't enough stories told about these places. Um, you know, there's people constantly telling stories about Los Angeles and New York, and we kind of felt like Midwestern people were getting mad uh, and we were right. And then they were so mad they liked <laughs> Trump. Um, but like, <laughs> but like certainly, you know, that was part of our, our thinking was just that there's, this is kind of the forgotten people, you know? Yeah, definitely. And one of the things that jumps out of me, and I wonder if this is based on the town, because I'm, I know this is the town you grew up in, yeah. but specifically the, um, the Asian population, the, the Hmong people. Yeah. Yes. Or that's like a big thing. Is that something on, uh, true in the actual town you grew up in as well? Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I, and I was there, you know, I was probably four or five when the first, um, groups among people were brought to my town and I remember it, you know, it was as clear as day and I, it, you know, it was such a culture shock for the people of that town. By the time revival takes place, it's kind of, there's lots of second generation among people. Um, mm. and so their situation was a little different, but, um, yeah, huge, uh, so, you know, surprisingly high percentage of the population of the Wasa area is among people brought from Laos, uh, Laos after, uh, the Vietnam War, because um, mm-hmm. especially all these church groups, um, the, the Laotian people helped American soldiers um, during Vietnam War. And then after Vietnam War, they said, of course, the thing that the U.S. military often does said, you're on your own, fuck you. And so, <laughs> so they were getting slaughtered by the Vietnamese army and, and these church groups started bringing them uh, over. And they, they settled largely in Wisconsin and Minnesota, the biggest population being in St. Paul, I believe. Mm-hmm. Uh, so uh, so yeah, that was definitely part of the, the, my life growing up. Um, and I saw, you know, powerful racism, uh, in my teenage, you know, my early years and my teenage years growing up there, but also some kind of amazing stuff where, you know, people sort of figured out how to live with each other. Yeah. And, um, especially like, again, rereading the first volume. So that's the one fresh in my mind. The, um, the scene of where, where they're at the funeral for the the older woman. I'm, I'm trying to dance around spoilers for people. I want to read this book, but where the neighbor in, in like the neighbors embrace in the first volume and like they had been arguing and there was a, definitely a racist overtone. And then his neighbor's just like, Hey, if you need anything, I was like, that's really cool. I really liked that. So, um, and then of course, one of the main characters, you know, is involved in that culture. So I think that helped like weave it all in. I really enjoyed that. So. Yeah, and I'm trying to make it authentic, and I tried to talk to people. Um, you know, we I got some uh, help from a, a Laotian woman I knew who's a you know a, a cartoonist and asked questions and try to get like details from people. I probably um, you know could have always you can always do more, but I always try to like you know ask people questions about what it's like to to be something that I'm not. You know. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> um, so I want to go and move on to hack slash. Um, so this book, I know it originally started off with, uh, Devil's Do, but it ended up moving to Image. Um, so tell me about this book, because, uh, this isn't one that I'm as familiar with as I am with Revival. Uh, I've read a bit of it, um, particularly the last one, but I know that was, that was Teeny Howard, I believe, that did the last one, right? Yep. 
Yeah, but tell me about it because you are the creator of it, and I do like the crossovers. Um, I I did read the bit with Reanimator in Volume One because Reanimator was one of my childhood things. <laughs> so, uh, tell me a bit about this and how the genesis of this one came about. Um, so, well, Hackslash is the first thing I kind of wrote, I guess, quote unquote, professionally. But um, mm-hmm. I was working on Devil's Do as we had Devil's Do as a company in Chicago. It was an independent company. Mm-hmm. We had gotten the rights to do uh, GI Joe, and so I was the I got called in by my buddy Josh to be <clears throat> like the editor, art director, kind of. Mm-hmm. And because I had worked at Marvel as an intern when I was uh, 21, so I had tons of experience, obviously. And uh, so I was working there, and I was helping out GI Joe, and then I ended up doing GI Joe because it was just so much easier for me to be on staff and just draw the book and and deal with Hasbro. And it was a great gig uh, for a guy starting out, <clears throat> but obviously there's you know restrictions, and the restrictions were getting worse and worse because um, Hasbro would get these like weird letters from people in Arkansas about you know implied nipples and weird stupid shit you know and so like hasbro would send me this list of like things you can't do um and i basically just took that list and was like i'm gonna make a comic that's all these things <laughs> so um i grown up my dad was a huge like one of the original vhs movie guys and uh he would rent every weekend he would rent like four or five movies almost always horror movies or sci-fi and he loved like slash movies and all that kind of stuff so from a young age, I was always exposed to that stuff. Um, so I was really familiar with like B-movie tropes and all that kind of thing. And uh, so Hackslash was like, I, I knew I wanted to make my own thing. I actually originally asked Robert Kirkman to write it, um, huh. but he said he was, oh, wow. uh, cause he's he busy. <laughs> uh, he, ended, he was originally going to do it, but then he got he got some gig. I can't remember what it was. It wasn't Walking Dead or uh, Invincible. It was something else that I think it was like Witchblade Vampirella or something. But anyway, um, he's like, no, I can't yeah. do it. So uh, he pulled out. So I was like, I'll write it. I didn't know what I was doing, but I, was, I decided I'd do it anyway. And I got Stefano Caselli to sign up to draw it, who's a guy I had worked with on Micronauts. And um, and so and he loves horror because he's Italian. So um, so we somehow made this thing that worked. I don't know. Um, you know, like our first issue was a pretty big hit for our company. Um, and the book just kind of always, you know, it kept growing in numbers. And, it, it, you know, even... The, despite I think it looking sort of like a, you know, a cheesy exploitive type book, um, mm-hmm. people realized like there was more to it. Uh, and so we, we always got kind of like surprisingly good reviews and stuff. Um, but yeah, I mean, to this day, that's still the book I think people know me for, for sure. And if I go to a convention, I still draw more Cassie's than I draw anything. Um, <laughs> so, <laughs> so yeah, I've been doing that um, for a 15 years, I think. Yeah, 15 years. We had the 15th anniversary this year. Yeah. <clears throat> so that makes sense. Like, we talk about, like, uh, getting and rent, renting a lot of movies. Um, how did you come about to getting to getting The Crow, to getting a crossover with The Crow? Um, so I was, uh, my buddy Jim Terry, he's a local Chicago guy. Uh, he's uh, friends with, with uh, James O'Barr. Oh. And so James was in okay. town, and we went out for drinks for my birthday. Uh, which was pretty cool for me because I was a huge fan of The Crow as a kid. And so I had asked him, him about it then, and he was like, yeah, maybe. And then I kept bugging him about it. And then uh, um, so finally I, I, you know, I told IDW that um, I, I wanted to do this, and they said, well, we need to get you know, an email from James that says that, that it's okay. So I emailed him, and all he wrote back was, don't screw it up. Don't embarrass us. That was it. Like, don't embarrass us. <laughs> It really so, is his uh, baby. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, so yeah, they just let us do it. Um, it was actually really easy to do. And I hired Jim Terry because he, you know, introduced me to James. Um, and he had already done some crow stuff. So I got to work with a good buddy and, uh, <coughs> yeah, it was kind of like a dream come true project for me that I had pitched, um, maybe like 14 years ago, I had pitched a hack slash crow, crow crossover, and for, I don't remember why but it didn't go through then. So like I'd had this sitting in my head for a long time. Fuck nice. Yeah. Um, so and then that kind of leads into the next one that I wanted to talk about just a bit. Loaded Bible. Uh, one of our co-hosts who couldn't make it today, uh, he is he's a big fan of it. And he wanted me to ask you, and this is his question, not mine. Have you ever thought about doing a book featuring a different religion versus monsters? And he pitched specifically Buddha versus werewolves. Oh, that's, 
<laughs> I mean, yeah, I thought about doing a sequel to Little Bible, um, which would have Muhammad in it, and then I realized <laughs> I would probably regret doing that. Because um, my original take on that book was like, <clears throat> I want to do, you know, like a science fiction book that has my take on religion and stuff, but also have it be pretty faithful, at least to the teachings of the actual guy. Um, so like the Jesus in the book is fairly respectful, like actual Christians who, and I'm not religious, but actual yeah. Christians who read it were like, you know, this is pretty, pretty right on. This is what he would do. Um, and I was like, yeah, cause I fucking researched the shit out of it. You know? <laughs> um, but I, I, I definitely wanted to do more with it. And I set it up for sequels. There were all kinds of possibilities, but I just, I don't know. The world turned on me, you know? So like, when we did it, we would get a little bit of pushback, a little bit. And some comic yeah. stores would say they went, we wouldn't carry it or whatever. But like, as the years went on, it got worse, you know? And like the sort of rise of the evangelicals and yeah, they really sort of made it. Uh, I feel like if I did it, I might endanger myself or someone else. Um, although maybe now is the time to do it and just say to hell with it. But uh, yeah, I love the story. It was like a thing I'd come up with um, with my brother. We had, you know, we used to just take these car rides when I first got my license and we would just, just drive around Wisconsin and come up with stupid stuff. And that was the idea we went, we went, we had seen one of the Jurassic Park movies and we're like, what if they clone Jesus from the Shroud of Turin? And then we're like, it's Jurassic Jesus. And then, then it became the Bible. Um, but, uh, but it's, a, it's an old idea. It's older than, for me, it's older than hack slash even. Um, and I, mm -hmm. I was waiting to do it so for so long, but yeah, I just like, I guess, I don't know. I was young and I would just do things and I didn't care who, who was mad about it. Cause I didn't, you know, I just, I don't know. It's a different time now. I feel like man, maybe that's the reason to bring it back. I don't know. I gotcha. It's, there's a, there's a tension with doing anything like that now. <laughs> like, like you want to express yourself, but you also know that there are people out there that, might take it way too seriously <laughs> so I, mean, I get what you're saying that did then you know like i mean yeah you know, we got image got threats because we did that book and we and partly it was because we um we had you know done it at the same time as battle pope came up speaking of robert <laughs> battle pope came out through image at the same time as little bible and so they're like you got these parodies of jesus and both book books you got the popes like why do you hate catholics you know like all this kind of stuff <laughs> But then we were just like, whatever, it's read it or don't, I don't care. And if you do read it, you'll see that it's pretty respectful. Um, mm -hmm. and it only criticizes the things that you should be criticized for. Yeah. Uh, so, but yeah, I don't know. I mean, every once in a while I think about doing it again and then I, you know, I don't know. I'm just not as hungry and young and full of piss as I used to be. <laughs> gotcha. Well, um, I, I, I wanted to move on and I really wanted to talk about your work on Grayson. Um, I, I one of the themes of our uh, show we have issues is arguments about the Robins, um, and Dick Grayson is such a great Robin, obviously the original Robin, um, and I really liked this turn that you guys took with him, being uh, a super spy, not having a mask, you know, and I thought that was he was a really good person to do that with, and um, what kind of give me an idea because obviously this is. You did a couple different books for the major publishers, uh, but this is the one that really jumped out at me. And what was your experience kind of working for, like, instead of Image or Devil's Do, working for DC? You know, like, how was that? Um, I mean, for, yeah, I mean, I've done, I've done a lot for Marvel and DC as both mm -hmm. artist and a writer. But, um, yeah, I think Grayson, I mean, so I was working on Batman Eternal at the time, which was mm -hmm. like the, you know, the oh. weekly book. And it was done yeah. basically like a TV show. Yeah. Um, so they had four writers and we would meet up uh, every three months and then we would plot out all these issues and everybody had to write one a month. And, uh, um, but I got along really well with uh, the other writers and the, and the editors, uh, Mark and hey, uh, my wife just came home with the baby. Um, <laughs> I got along really good with the editors. And, and uh, so they were looking to do something different with, with Nightwing. Hi buddy. How are you doing? Oh, you look so nice. But um, uh but we were looking, they're doing something different with Dick Grayson because, like, they kind of felt like, you know, and and I agree that Nightwing just sort of had run its course, um, but they kind of called this. They they like had a whole 
series already started and they, they, they cut that one out. So it was a very last second. It was just, um, it was Katie Kubert uh, called me and said, what would you do with uh, Dick Grayson as a spy? <clears throat> and that was like on a Friday. I think it was Valentine's Day, if I recall. And then I was like, oh, shit, I don't know. And so <laughs> then the weekend I, I was in my studio uh, and I had shared it with Chris Burnham, who's an artist on Batman Incorporated. And he had this spiral logo sitting in the corner of his desk because he had to redraw it all the time. And I was like, wait, I'll just make him an agent of spiral. So I pitched that idea and tied it to Batman Incorporated and all this sort of stuff. And then they came back to me like later in the week. I said, we love it. Um, but the other editor, we didn't know that we were supposed to hire for, you know, the, thought he was hiring for the book. So he said, he hired this guy named Tom King. Uh, can you guys work <laughs> together? I don't want to, you know, like they were like, we feel bad. We offered you both the gig. Right. <clears throat> so I could have been like, no fucking way. Instead, <laughs> I was like, yeah, that's fine. I don't know Tom King, but that sounds good. And they're like, oh, wait, he's a, he really was a spy. He worked for the CIA. I was like, oh, good Lord. Like, what if I piss him off? And then he you know, sends death. <laughs> uh, but we got along really well. And I think we um, kind of combined our pitches, like kind of snipped it up and um, used kind of the parts of mine and parts of his, um, you know, his experiences, uh, you know, emotionally, because he, he knew what it was like to be out in the cold. And, um, and then just sort of, I, I supplied like the, I guess like the wacky stuff and the sexy stuff. And then Tom kind of got into it and we kind of fused it to make some kind of weird hybrid writer that would somehow work together pretty well. Um, but I think, you know, it, it kind of stands out among that era as being a pretty unique book. I, it you mm -hmm. know, still sells. I see that they reprinted the omnibus again. Um, cool. And it's, you know, I'm proud of it. I think our, the only sort of, you know, regrets Tom and I have is that we had this very specific, plan and then we had to wrap it up and then he got moved on to batman i got moved on nightwing so we weren't able to finish our, our story we wrote an outline um and we gave it to very competent writers to do but you know i think as far as it would have been nice for us to to get to wrap up our story at least but um but things were changing with the re rebirth stuff so um, yeah but yeah i think it, you know it stands out and it's still um you know it'll be a it's an unforgettable part of the character's history i think so you know mm -hmm. i would have liked it to go on longer but um it is what it is it, it definitely yeah, i wanted to add because um i'm having a huge revelation right now uh getting to talk to you and then i was like oh shit yeah he did write grayson but then i'm remembering oh wait we're talking about the spy one way back in 2014 as i'm reading comics i'm not big on like dc but i actually had to post this on instagram at the time because i thought it was such a brilliant tag for this new series of Grayson. And of course it would be from you. The, you think, you know, Nightwing, you don't know Dick. It's, that was, by the way, that's, that was a great piece of, uh, advertising, uh, writing, but it was, that was Dan DiDio came up with it. No shit. Okay. No way. <laughs> <laughs> that's crazy. No. Yeah. Um, I really liked the book. Um, I know the Robin 80th anniversary book just came out last week. And we reviewed it last week, and uh, there was an Agent Thirty Seven story in there, and uh, that was that was a lot of fun to review. Uh, and uh, yeah, like putting it alongside all the other Dick Grayson stuff, I was like, this is just as good, if not better, than any of the other stuff, you know. And I, I really liked it, and it does differentiate him quite a bit from the other Robins. So definitely, uh, the other thing with yeah. with with Dick, and I, it's just it's going to transition <laughs> nicely into to Money Shot, is. Okay, yeah. Dick is one of one of the very few I can think of the uh, comics characters for the mainstream that are male that are kind of like presented in such a sexual manner like the women <laughs> like there's like so much female fandom for Dick and there's the whole Dick Grayson's butt I think has its own Twitter and stuff like that and I just really really like that and um I, I mean, this book obviously made him out, you know, sexy spy and stuff, but like, there's always the thing of how characters are drawn, you know, there's like the male power fantasy, you know, and they're like, well, those sexies too. And they're like, no, they're what you want to look like. But Dick has always been that really female friendly character. I've always really liked that. So. Well, when, when Katie Kubert uh, pitched it to me, she asked mm -hmm. me that, you know, she said, well, it's okay if this book is kind of sexy, like spy books. And she said, 
I want you to do it because you are mutually, um, what's the word? Like she knew that I would exploit it. I would, I would exploit men and women. I don't mind. It doesn't, you know, like, <laughs> so, um, so that, that, that like ended up being a strength for me on that book. And that's always been true of me. I, I think comics should be sexy. I just don't think they should be, you know, misogynistic about it or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I, but I've always been a supporter of like cheesecake and, and beefcake and all that sort of stuff. Um, yeah. which partially the, was the whole impetus behind doing money shot. Cause I feel like, and you're right. Superhero comics are just so sexless in a weird way. Um, mm-hmm. because there's this, like, I don't know. This, I mean, if it was just for kids, then I would be like completely behind it, but we don't in the mainstream don't make superhero comics for kids. So it's weird that we've sort of kept, you know, all the other things, um, adultified, you know, and like the violence is so visceral and gross and like overdone, but like you show any sex and everybody gets all weird about it. Um, yeah. so that's, I hate that. I fucking hate it. So it's always been something that I wanted to uh, address. And like, you know, I thought hack slash was ex- expressly and very specifically exploitive. Um, but it was also like the idea being <clears throat> you can have someone who runs around in a tight, uh, tight top and miniskirt and, and you can still have that character have pathos and emotions and high stakes. Um, mm-hmm. So, you know, this was trying to be uh, the evolution of that. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> and, and I mean, like I said, I appreciate it. And uh, my, my, my host Liz, who is the Robin aficionado, like makes the Dick Grayson butt jokes all the time. And she, she was going like, she literally reviewed the Robin book for me, like the quality of Dick Grayson, butt for each one of his stories and stuff. So it was great. Yeah. But, uh, uh, so yeah, let's transition to money shot. Um, because this is definitely the book I want to talk about. Uh, I did not have received uh, advanced warning. This book was coming out. I wasn't sure. I know vault is kind of a newer publisher. Um, but I uh, I went to pick up my books normally, and then there's a book wrapped up in a plastic bag, and uh, that always catches your eye, you know. And it's funny because it's they do that to prevent people from seeing things they shouldn't quote, but really it just makes me want to buy it more because I'm like, what's behind there? <laughs> so, um, so I ended up uh, picking it up, saying, "Hey, I'll give this a shot," and I got about a page in, and then I was like, "I'm gonna buy every issue of this book forever." Um, I absolutely love a sex positive story. Yes. And I, I know Josue is 100% in agreement with me. Fuck, he yeah. heard me ranting about it and started buying it immediately too. So, thank um, you. sorry, go ahead. Thank, I say thank you. Oh yeah. Oh, thank you. So I know you're, I know you're writing this with Sarah and, um, I, I, she's primarily a comedian. This is, um, I'm guessing her first comic work, right? Yeah. Yeah. She's yeah. A, a comedian kind of started out um, using the internet to test her material and then became primarily an internet comedian. So she is huge on Instagram and, um, and Twitter. Gotcha. Yeah. I follow her on Instagram. So, <laughs> um, so what's, I mean, cause you're working with somebody inexperienced with this, like, what's this look like? Is it um, like, are you structuring the ideas the two of you come up with? Like how involved is she with that kind of, you know, um, process, I guess is what I want to ask. The way we do it is um, I basically write a script and then I send it to her and her job is to make it funnier and to oh, point nice. out things that are like bullshit guy stuff that girls wouldn't do. So that's basically like how, you know, I, I, I pretty much, you know, plot and do that sort of stuff because it, at least initially Sarah wasn't familiar with, um, you know, comics as far as storytelling and panels and scripts and all that shit. Structure, um, yeah. Yeah, she she knows comics. She's she's a big nerd, but um, she hadn't worked with scripts or anything as much. So, um, so I was just doing that, and then and her job uh, is just sort of make everything better. And she and she's great at that. So she'll usually give me back a script with like tons of options for jokes and one liners, and then like the occasional like girls don't do that, or this is how <laughs> you really would talk about your period, or that kind of thing. Um, nice. so that's kind of our, our jam on it. And I really wanted her, um, involved from the beginning because, you know, one, I wanted her respect, but also like, there's this, we- you know, there's a weird thing in, in entertainment comics specifically 
where like we're just we're just like scrambling to get women into comics because it's such a you know underserved uh creative side you know we we used to not hire them for sexist reasons and then there was none to hire because why would they want to work in this industry and now we hire them but we keep them in these very narrow boxes and like <clears throat> they have to be the eisner type books and they have to be the very serial comics these are super serious um and mm-hmm. so you know i wanted she's funny and you know it's important to me that like we can make fun comics with women like this this is a thing and, and the same with the artist rebecca isaacs who you know when i asked her about it she was like no one ever asked me to do this kind of stuff you know people kind of had boxed her into being this specific kind of creator and she rebecca is hilarious she's like one of the funniest people i know so, <laughs> um, you know the idea that like i think a lot of women still feel kind of stereotyped um, but in the opposite way <clears throat> you know it's kind of a bummer so i was trying to make something you know for them that we could make together and but all benefit from and, and bring you know the the kind of underserved parts of ourselves yeah definitely and i mean it's it's a really great book um I, I, we're really enjoying it it's a it's a podcast favorite and uh <laughs> um i just this the whole stance and i'm i'm trying to figure out how i want to say this um okay so the whole thing is based around the fact that the government's just not funding science anymore which is an unfortunate thing that is actually happening on our planet right now um so it sounds like talking to you this is a stance that you have an actual pretty strong opinion on oh yeah yeah so and myself too i know Josue is up there with me mm-hmm. and so um i like that that's like there's a genuine message here and you know it's i know on the outside people could look at a book like this especially if they get one of the not safe for work color uh, covers and being like oh it's a porn comic but it's really not like there's an actual genuine message and a great story behind it and it's very it's very political which i really like and also it's like an epic sci-fi epic you know i really dig that too i've always been a big star trek guy and like all all the different sci-fis so um and fucking kind of like (laughs) and it's hilarious yeah um i know Josue is going to want to talk about because it's what me and him bonded over i think it was in issue two where uh tesla coil comes up with the plan that they all should just sleep together in different pairs to get the to know each other and not hate each other yeah that is some of the best ever yeah. like talk us through that because we really enjoyed like all the different characters getting to know each other especially the niels bohr and supermassive black hole and the whole like him opening himself up emotionally and then he's like you know you <laughs> like you take a dick like a bitch like we're just it's so great and it really gives you a great idea of all the characters and yeah because is there something specific like is that a specific thing you wanted to do to make sure you know to get these characters solidified with the audience yeah i mean so the the impetus definitely was like to have it's a it's a satire of the world um, especially America, a country mm-hmm. that, you know, um, has underfunded uh, science for a long time. And also, we, as we now know, uh, underfunded uh, pandemic response and yeah. destroyed the response team. And now people are dying all over. So um, so it's a very dumb country. And uh, it's, it's very much, you know, <laughs> resistance to learning. Like that's that's the sort of this sort of weird American ideal like, uh, that, you know, fuck learning, let the facts bend to me. I'm an American, which is obviously not how anything works. Um, so that was, you know, definitely, I want to do a book about that. Um, but I mean, also the, you know, the story was always going to be about, I think the way people think how porn works, uh, they all think they could do it, you know, which is kind of like <clears throat> one of the main sort of character things you see throughout the book is that they thought, you know, well, shit, we'll just make a bunch of money and all we have to do is like get naked. This should be yeah. easy. Like they're scientists. They're not porn stars. So they, they fuck it up. You know, they get emotionally involved. Um, they get hurt feelings. They, all these sort of things. Whereas like real sex workers know to leave that sort of thing behind um, and, you know, treat it like what it is. It's, it's a job. Um, and so, yeah, that was definitely sort of, you know, <clears throat> one of the, the things I, I want to play with was like, you know, smart people make 
these mistakes on an emotional level. You know, I think while the country sort of makes choices emotionally because it doesn't want to deal with facts, you know, you can see it happening even in these scientists just about something else. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> it's, it's so funny um, you say that because it's like, sorry, uh, even like when it comes to like scientists doing r- research for just were science stuff, they treat they put the emotions aside and treat the facts as facts. But so it's so funny that you put these two in together. Oh yeah, yeah. See, it's about something. <laughs> and yeah, it's funny because the way you mention it, uh, I remember seeing a tweet a couple days ago where somebody had tweeted about it and. They were they were talking about the role of sex workers. They tr- they tweeted you, and I, I remember your response was just kind of like, "Yeah, but they're scientists trying to be sex workers without the the experience, without knowing what they're doing. That's kind of the point." And I'm like, "Exactly." Like, Casta Coyle literally thinks like, "We'll just film ourselves having sex, and everything will be great." Like, it's just like, no, it's not like that. And obviously, you, you got the issues with her. And uh, Niels Bohr and, you know, obviously there's like an actual emotion there and that's going to be an issue. And yeah, I I like the the interplay between the characters and the fact that, like you said, this isn't just about porn stars. It's scientists trying to be porn stars. (laughs) Like they're completely out of their element with that. So I I really dig that, actually. Thanks. Um, It's funny that reaction. You know, I appreciate that someone wrote a a hot hot take about. Uh, money shot so i did read it and i was like you know but it's like that sort of thing where and i i'm pretty you know i try to be very open-minded and and i and, and i consider myself pretty uh you know pretty pretty lefty but i also sometimes i'm like oh lefties like where where you just take everything is <laughs> offended by you know like yeah i don't think that take was doing that but like it was saying like well here's what it does wrong like well that's not what it's about that how i mean that's fine that if you think that, but that's, it's, that's a different story. That's a, that's a wholly different, (laughs) you know? Um, Yeah. That would be a story about, you know, about specifically about people who were experienced and knew what they were doing. Um, That would be a very different comic, wouldn't it? So yeah, it's interesting. I, you know, I guess I'm surprised we've offended as little people as we have. Um, (laughs) Which is great. Yeah. I mean, (laughs) and obviously like, you know, it's weak. I'm gonna get shit from, people on both sides but you know when we first came out we got review bombed on like all the sites by these right-wing nuts that hate sarah and they would like just put 1.0 like one star you know sarah sarah Beatty is a trump hating monster and like so <laughs> we got killed on any sort of where they let fans be, we got like bombed like you know fucking captain marvel um, yeah right but like and that was but I was just like those people who kids a shit with those stupid people think. Right. Like, yeah. Seriously. Yeah, it doesn't bother me. So, um, and, but it's still like, you know, it affects us. I mean, it's still up. Those reviews are still up. They're not relevant, but they're, they're there. So it's just kind of, it's hard to do anything without politics being involved. And, you know, in some ways I get shit from everybody. So, uh, it's just kind of how it is. <laughs> but then you get, yeah. you get the next issue and it's just like, you take all of that and you just say, fuck it. And you roll with it, which is what makes it great. Yeah, I mean, we actually use it as a plot point in the book. Is that um, I saw the cover to number nine, and it's like, and that's exactly my point. Yeah, yeah, the president <laughs> of the United States is on their team now. Um, but you'll see, <laughs> I wrote a scene in there that is unfortunate because it's exactly what happened in the real world um, in issue seven. I was like, God damn it, that I have to. Th- this is you know, I have to stop writing things that actually occur. But um, but our character, it's not Trump. That character is not Trump. Uh, <laughs> yeah don't get don't give him any credit at all don't. <laughs> yeah, exactly i do not want to write him or do any but it the story becomes about um basically you find out why the humans were kicked out of the alien alliance that we were offered um you find out finally what happened and then oh, cool. we introduce the character the our president is this guy named luke kirk um and he's the product of like a world after trump so like uh you know, it's, it's, well, this book takes place some, you know, 15 years or so, 12, 15 years in the future. But um, basically now to be president, to run for president, you just have to be the, the crudest, most awful person because, you know, you people aren't interested unless you're, you know, insulting everyone and, and hating on someone. So he's a product of that. He's, he's a president who's gone through this. So he's, the biggest piece of shit 
He's just an awful guy. He's a misogynist. <laughs> he's just awful in every possible way. And people love him, you know, um, because he sticks it to the people they hate. So, like, you know, he, yeah. and he's the one that's he cuts the science funding because he knows that his voters love it when those smart fuckers with their college degree don't get a goddamn thing. Like, it's basically just he's the product of of us, of our politics, of the way we're going to do things unless we change our ways, you know, and, and elect actual leaders um, instead of, you know, people who represent our, our uh, attack on the people we don't like. Yeah, I mean, you could, I couldn't have said it better myself. Like, we are, we're tribes at this point. Like, and it's really sad that we are. But, and it's, I always compare it to American football, where it's just like, you're just cheering for your team to win. You're not asking yourself if they should win. Well, like, the things you don't like, right? So it's the same. Yeah. You know, like, it's not, it's not what you stand for. It's the things, the things that you, you fight for. It's the people that you, who you wish would, you know, would fall off the country. Like that's, yes, that's exactly. Fighting, you know, by, so, I mean, and that's true of, of both sides to some degree, but much more true of, of the right than it is the left. Although the, it, they are similar in some ways. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. And just, so that's kind of the story. And then he basically, uh, our president in this future <laughs> basically bullies himself into becoming a member of the team. So, um, but you'll see why. But it's, uh, yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm excited for that so uh yeah but i mean and i really i'm like as i said before i just i just love this book um i love everything vault's doing so i wanted to briefly ask you like what's the experience working with vault because we've talked to a couple of vault creators and they seem like oh just great guys uh it's family run i believe like um what's it like working with them uh they're awesome man i so i had worked with them because um my friend Mike Marisi, who's a local Chicago guy, uh, had done a little, some of their earliest books, and then um, mm-hmm. he uh, got me a gig where Vault was doing some writing on a video game. So we all went out to LA and worked on this video game. And then I really like the guys. It's Damien and Adrian Wassler, the, the two main dudes. Uh, Tim mm-hmm. Daniel, graphic designer, um, and they're just like really they're they're what I wish we'd have been when we were doing Devils Do when we were younger. Um, because they're just really committed and they're really focused and they're, they're super nice guys and they're not broken yet. And they're not, they're not jaded yet. And they love, <laughs> comic books. I mean, they, Adrian loves editing comic books and he's so good at it and he's so good to work for. And I had pitched money shot around to <clears throat> skybound top cow image, uh, dark horse, vertigo, all these other puffs. It almost went at vertigo. Um, oh, shit. In the end, people were. Someone was like, "No, it's too offensive. We can't do it." So I had been turned down by everybody. I was surprised mm-hmm. the image turned it down. I was too. Uh, yeah. To this day, I actually have given Eric Stevenson shit about it. Where I'm like, "Should have taken it, bro." Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, but you know, these guys were like, "No, we love it. We get it." And they and they said, you know, the parts that they really liked were that it was like, you know, the men and the women got naked, and that um, the sex was never like you know, though there's sex in it, the sex was never the point. Um, yeah. And that the nudity was always, when we show nudity, it's almost always uh, just people being naked, which is, you know. It's like, just where it needs to be. It's not overdoing it. That, yeah, it's something I appreciate it. That, that's why you, you can defend it. Where, like, it's not just porn. When you look at it at face value, there's so much more. Yeah. And I, but on the other hand, I'm also defending porn. So, <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> but this book's just not that. It's just, you know, it's not, uh, Though it's titillating, it's not a. It's not specifically about um, the act of seeing people have sex. It's about what happens around that. And they yeah. got it. They were always they were always super supportive of it. Um, their their graphic design is unbelievable. Their promotion is great. Um, and now I can't really imagine it anywhere else. I think. Uh, yeah. You know the the team that we put together. Kurt Michael Russell is doing awesome colors. Uh, Crank's doing great letters. Like everything about the book is well well done. So. Um, and the, if you, if you haven't seen the trade paperback, it is a thing of beauty. It's just an awesome object. I was actually going to ask the trade on Amazon. It's listed on April 4th, but is it already in stores? I thought I'd heard yeah. that. But obviously comic book stores are not open, but you, yeah, uh, you should, if you have a store that you can order curbside pickup, you can get it. Um, 
but you should be able to order from Amazon in uh, early April. Classic. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> yeah, our our store uh, is open. They're doing curbside pickup and limited people in the building at the time. Um, but yeah, definitely, I always recommend anyone pick this up. And yeah, going kind of back to Vault, Vault's kind of become a seal of approval for us. Like if if they're for, putting out a new book, sure. we're picking it up. You know, like and uh, it was funny because I think Money Shot was the first Vault book I picked up. And again, I just picked it up because it was in a bag. I'm like, well, I have to see what's behind the bag. So now I like, I'm totally into this whole new company. Um, even like, I know, Hostway, you picked up Black Stars Above, right? Yeah, Black Stars Above, and then Finger Guns yeah. just started too. And Finger Guns, we love. We just interviewed Justin from Finger Guns. Yeah, that was great. <laughs> so, but yeah, I'm. I just really wanted to like thank you for this book because, like I said, sex positivity in this day and age, where sex is considered so taboo and like you'd mentioned like the hyper violence is fine you know what i mean everybody's like no that's fine that's the but god forbid we see a nipple like you know <laughs> so like the fact youtube on uh, the colors kurt russell was doing uh, a coloring t- uh, tutorial on mm-hmm. youtube the other day for a cover and it has a side boob not a nipple and someone complained and he got kicked off Steve uh, yeah. Meanwhile, <laughs> Nazis can go on there and talk about, uh, you know, eugenics and re- and how Jews are going to replace us. YouTube so is fine with this. But yeah, you yeah. Uh, you show a side move, they'll kick you off. I mean, which is why I hate that platform. It's shit. Um, and I've been angry about YouTube for a long time. And yeah. Again, like they, you know, they say, well, it's community standards. Like, no, you enforce this. You know, if you had different standards, maybe the community would change around you. So it's fucking horseshit, and they're cowards. So yeah. You know, there's, there's another uh, rant I have. Yes. <laughs> Similar thing with, with Tumblr. Um, because as a Tumblr user, it's a really great way to reach out to artists and see art and stuff. And then they change their terms of services. What was it? No female presenting nipples. But there's still a massive Nazi like yeah. f- founding on Tumblr. And I'm like, how? Like, is this okay? But that's not. It's a nipple. You know what I mean? And It's a <laughs> very, dumb, very dumb country that resists you know, changing for the better resists saying like, well, asking the question, why is that okay? Why is it yeah. okay? Well, we just not, we don't, we don't learn anything. We're not moving. We're not doing anything. It's just this it drives me crazy that that resistance to education and resistance to betterment is just, you know, it's, it's, yeah. our, it's going to be our doom. Yeah. It's, I mean, <laughs> I, it's, I couldn't put it any better than you uh, said it. Honestly, that's how I feel too. And, uh, I'll be honest with you, because uh, we live in a I live in a large city, so we get politicians coming through trying to campaign sometimes. And I can tell you, next time I go to one, I'm going to be holding up a sign that says "Unfuck Our World," because yes. that resonated with me so hard. <laughs> like, yeah. yeah. There so. we go. If that, if you can start a you know, use money shot to to you know <laughs> start a political revolution, but but yeah, that's the thing is it, you know we've just. Oh, we've just accepted so much crap in the and in, in we don't we're just not asking questions and it's just ugh, makes me very sad but yeah. you know but obviously the point of this book is to escape is so read it now and i'm yes. sorry that some of the things seem to have been prescient i didn't uh i didn't mean to do that um <laughs> but, uh, but yeah that you know certainly it's my curse like i said revival and then um there's just specifically one thing in issue seven where I was like, holy crap, that actually, that actually occurred. And I, I was wondering, because seven isn't out for two months, I was like, do I rewrite it or do I just leave it as <laughs> Nice. Well, yeah, definitely everybody pick up Money Shot. Uh, pick up the other books that we mentioned uh, on on Back Issue, uh, Digital Comics, wherever you can find it. Uh, get your eyes on it. Uh, I will let you guys know that Revival is on uh, Kindle. Um, so you can definitely check it out on there as well. Um, but yeah, I, I just, just want to thank you so much for joining us. This has been a really great interview. I've yeah. really appreciated it. And it's nice having somebody with a similar political bent as myself. Yeah. Yeah. Which in this day and age, we all kind of need to get stuff out. So yeah. but I usually am concerned about it. I don't usually, I mean, people kind of know roughly where I stand, but I, yeah. In, in, in the last, you know, I haven't usually been too uh, vocal about that sort of stuff, but in the last week or two, I'm just like, fuck this. We are living mm-hmm. in the worst possible place yeah. because of the worst possible choices by the worst people in the country. So like, 
we need to do better. Like, this is just can't be a thing. I'm so frustrated, you know? Um, and I yeah. think a lot of people are, and I hope more people become frustrated. Uh, sorry, I'm wishing massive frustration on all you Americans because you need to fucking learn something. So, there you go. <laughs> exactly. No, I, I get you because, and I'll tell you, I told our group, I'm like, listen, this interview is going to be political, so we're going to deal with that. <laughs> That's what I told them. I'm like, I've been so excited for this one. I'm like, that's what it's going to be. This We can't have this conversation without it turning political. And everybody was like, hey, man, do what you're going to do. I'm like, all right, cool. They got, gave me their blessing. And I'm really glad we got to talk about this. And, uh, man, just keep making this book. It's great. And um, we're going to be picking up pretty much anything you make at this point. For me. Yeah, I can. If you keep telling people about it and people pick it up, um, you know, I can make more books. Like, I, we're planned on being ongoing for as long as we have. Um, an audience, but obviously things are sort of crazy right now, but, um, but I think, uh, you know, if we, uh, the word, the buzz was really good on the first issue is one of the best, I think it's the best selling vault book. Um, and so, you know, nice. if we can, and vault's got a lot of great books. So, um, if we can, uh, uh, you know, spread the word and show people that it's, um, it's probably way more of their interest than they thought it was, uh, we can definitely. We can maybe we can unfuck our world. There we go. That's right. Hell yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you so much for joining us, Tim. We really appreciate it. Thank you, everybody, for listening to this Geek Network special interview. This is Keith, your host, signing off. And uh, unfuck our world. Unfuck the world. <laughs> <laughs>